Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Hey friend, you came back. I'm impressed. So, if you're here, it means you must want more of Museum Attack, featuring Lane Parrish by Jim Heskett, who is me. (laughs) How's this going so far? Does it feel like it's going well? I don't think it's going well, but that's okay. I'm just going to roll with it. Anyway, so we're back this week for Chapter 2 of Museum Attack, the exclusive Lane Parish novella you can only get at jimheskett.com forward slash free or jimheskett.com forward slash reader group. If you're liking what you're hearing so far and you're interested in possibly knowing more about Lane Parish, go to jimheskett.com forward slash books. There you can find uh, the link to the existing uh, uh, Lane Parish books for sale and also all of the Micah Reed books. And Lane Parish himself appears as a character in several of Micah's uh, books in his series. Uh, so check those out too. Anyway, so that's all I'm going to ramble about uh, this morning or afternoon or evening, I guess. Um, uh, it occurs to me that when I'm recording this may not be when you're listening to it, you know, because of how the magic of time travel works. Anyway, I'm not really going to talk about magic. Uh, so let's just go ahead and get into chapter two. Uh, this is Museum Attack. Once inside the North Building at the Denver Art Museum, Lane and Jasmine stared through the glass front doors at the chaos outside. In quick succession, several more explosions rocked the campus. Their world seemed to shake with each boom, unsettling Lane on his feet and making his nose tingle. The glass and steel-shaped building like a pirate ship with a sharp triangle for a bow disintegrated. Its tip broke and came crashing down. The screech of the structure collapsing spread out like a sonic wave reverberating across the sky. The entirety of the building toppled to the ground and multiplied everywhere. The rubble billowed into smoke, shrouding the courtyard in mist. Shouts and screams filled his ears. Behind Lane, feet stamped and people ran aimlessly inside the lobby of this building. What's happening? Jasmine said. Lane shook his head. Adrenaline spiking and protection instinct activated, he had trouble speaking. Mouth dry, jaw clenched tight. I don't know. Stay close to me. Are we under attack? Are those bombs or is this like a missile strike? He could only shrug. None of this made any sense. Across the courtyard, the shorter museum building quivered. Air around the structure vibrated. Glass on the second floor spread out from the sides, followed by fire like puffs snapping the air. The building collapsed on itself, grinding from the top down. Pieces spilled out from the side of the wreckage, but most of it stayed contained within the scope of the building. Two of the three buildings were now rubble and dust. Maybe seeking shelter in this, the tallest of the museum buildings, had been a mistake. Lane came to his senses. We should go. What? He snatched her hand. We need to go now. I don't think we're safe here. Her bleary and vacant eyes drifted over the insanity in the courtyard, glass raining down from the sky, smoke swirling on the ground like a fog machine at a concert, people, many of them bleeding, trying to flee but finding no easy way to escape. This is crazy, she said. 
I know, but we have to get out. We can't stay inside here. Her head jiggled, something like a nod. He opened the door. As soon as they set foot outside, a string of dark vehicles appeared amid the smoke, headlights cutting lasers through the mist, Humvees, but not government vehicles because these bore no markings on the sides. Plain black cars with windows so dark anything could have been inside them. And each of the SUVs had stacks of things on top like huge metal plates. Lane stared at the plates and couldn't tell what they were. They were thick like doors, but at least 10 feet tall and 10 feet wide. The Humvees parked in the courtyard, some of them climbing over bits of rubble as they found space to park. At least five of the hulking beasts, maybe more, hard to tell through all the smoke. The doors opened and out poured a series of men in dark clothing. No uniforms, no insignia, no loudspeakers declaring which government agency they'd come from. But their weapons, those did look military issue. As they filled the courtyard, Lane spotted M4 carbine rifles with attached M203 grenade launchers. Many of them lifted walkie-talkies, shouting into them over the din of the settling explosions. Lane halted, pulling Jasmine to a stop. Their route via the courtyard was now both away from the courtyard. We're going this way, he said, tilting his head toward the area. Hold tight to me and don't let go. He tugged on Jasmine's hand, leading her into the path. His feet shuffled through glass and metal. He could barely see where they were going, but it didn't matter. They had to get out of here. But, within a few steps, a new vehicle's headlights cut through the smoke, blocking off the path. Vehicles to the right, a mountain of wreckage to the left, and the choke point was now sealed. There, she said, pointing at the car. I see it, he said. The vehicle's doors opened and a cluster of men poured out, drenched in body armor carrying M4s, attachments jangling from their belts. If there had previously been a pathway through the smoke in this direction, there wasn't one now. If these men were government, why weren't they announcing themselves? This way, Lane said, tugging her back in the other direction. Lane looked left and right past the armed men. Through the disarray, he couldn't see a way out. Nothing but obstructions in every direction. And, assuming these weren't U.S. soldiers or agents, there was no way he and Jasmine could make it past their line of sight if they tried to run. Maybe the armed men were as blind as he was, but Lane wouldn't take that chance, not as heavily armed as they were. Several of these men, at least a dozen of them, pointed their weapons in a single direction and began a coordinated march, legs rising, feet falling, all together. Back inside, Lane said. What? We have to go inside right now. We have no control out here. There's nowhere we can go. Brow creased. She stared at him. He didn't have time to explain to her the imminent death marching toward them. Retreat was the only option that put them at a distance from these invaders. Rather than say anything, he jerked on her hand, pulling her toward the doors. The smoke had now reached the north building and he could barely make out the front doors. He bumped into them and fumbled for the handle, whipped it open. Back inside the chaos of people running around, trying to escape, looking through glass windows and doors, crying and screaming. Lane pulled Jasmine across the lobby, seeking a set of stairs or a door leading to a back exit. And then, the armed men burst through the doors of the building, weapons raised. Okay, everyone, that is it for this installment. That was a rather short chapter, um, but don't worry, we're going to be back very soon with another one. And if you're listening to this far in the future, it doesn't matter how long you have to wait because they should all be available and you just go bing, bing, bing and binge them like your favorite Netflix show. Um, so 
Thanks for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate it. You're awesome for coming on this journey with me, and uh, I hope you're having a great day, you, person walking your dog or running on the treadmill or working in your garden. I hope you are having a good day, whatever day of the week it is, and um, I hope your tomorrow is pretty great too. Uh, So have a good one, and um, I'll see you around. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.